Hello there, and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It's uh, Christmas month. It's Christmas celebrations and Christmas tributes. We veered a little bit away from that last Thursday with our great Jimmy Stewart episode of Suspense. If you didn't hear that, check it out. It's a great Pearl Harbor tribute from last week. And now we move on back to uh, Christmas-type shows. Uh, we're going to feature an episode of Mail Call, Mail call was never heard in the United States of America. It was only heard overseas. Like Command Performance, which was the other big one, the stars and the performers gave, and the writers, everybody, gave their talents for free to help support the war effort. And so because of that, the and the union rules, etc., the programs were not allowed to be broadcast to the United States of America but were strictly for the uh, soldiers and servicemen and their families who were stationed overseas as part of the Armed Forces Radio Network. Because of that, uh, you got some great stars giving great performances, and it was all first-class radio. It's just nobody in America could hear it. But hey, you can hear it now. And all those recordings that got saved from uh, those particular programs most of them exist, and they're available, and you can, you can hear them now. So um, before we do that, we have uh, something which is going to be kind of a follow-up to last week's. Uh, we featured uh, an episode of the Jack Benny Show, but before we did the Jack Benny Show last week, we did a little bit from the Bing Crosby Show with uh, Jimmy Stewart going out Christmas shopping. And back in 1951... Uh, Bing and Jimmy Stewart did a couple different or a few different episodes of Bing Crosby's radio show in which they did kind of like a, a follow-up uh, to the previous week. So we are going to follow up with Bing and Jimmy. Last time we heard them, they were out shopping for lingerie for Mrs. Jimmy Stewart. And this time I think they're out shopping again. We'll see what they do. It's a short excerpt, and then we'll get to mail call after that, and I'll explain what that one's all about. But here's Jimmy Stewart with Bing Crosby from December 5th, 1951. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very happy to present an old friend of mine, a very fine actor, Mr. Jimmy Stewart. Thank you, Bang. Well, Jim, how are Gloria and how are the twins? Oh, they're just fine, Bang. They're just fine. I'm a wreck. <laughs> What's wrong? Well, Bang, you remember a couple of weeks ago, you went Christmas shopping with me and we bought Gloria a present? Remember it? <laughs> I'm glad that's over. Well, it isn't. We gotta go again. <laughs> not we. Not we, old boy. I took you to that little French dress shop next door and I helped you select a beautiful petticoat. What's, what's Yeah, that? but I found out that Gloria has one exactly like it. You sure, Jimmy? I'm absolutely sure. Yes, I was, the other morning I was peeking in the window. I mean, I, the, I was... Uh, the, uh, the other morning I was peeking in the window of the Bendix. Oh, of the Bendix. And I... There it was. Wow. Well, just spinning around there, the same darn petticoat. <laughs> this is a blow. It's tough luck, Jim. But I tell you, all you got to do is just take the petticoat, you go back to Fifi's lingerie shop and... You exchange it for something else. Yeah, that's just what I've been trying to do ever since 9 o'clock this morning. Since 9 o'clock this morning? Yeah. Every time I start into Fifi's place, I lose my nerve and wind up in the drugstore next door. Jimmy, you've got to get a hold of yourself. So here. far today, I've had 12 cups of Ovaltine and six bacon and tomato sandwiches. And 
I was spoken to twice for loitering in the magazine counter. <laughs> I was in the drugstore earlier today. Funny I didn't see you. Yeah, well, that might have been when the woman was demonstrating the mud pack on me. <laughs> oh, what you won't go through the stall. I, I noticed you were carrying a lot of bundles when you walked in here tonight, too. Yeah, well, one of those packages is the petticoat, and the rest of the stuff I picked up in the drugstore. <laughs> you get any bargains? Yes, yes. I got a nice alarm clock, and... A canasta shuffler. Oh, I must get one of those. <laughs> a mahjong set. Mahjong set, huh? Yes, uh, half a bushel of assorted nuts. <laughs> hey, Jim, your Christmas shopping's about done. You know, Bing, I, I, I just think this whole mess I'm in is, it's just fate. What are you getting at? I... Well, you know, when we talked about the gift originally, yeah. my whole idea was to get Gloria something that was daring, something intimate, mm -hmm. you know? Well, the, the, the petticoat, the, it, uh, the petticoat just doesn't cut the buck. <laughs> well, Jim, come on, wait a minute. There's uh, plenty, of, plenty of daring stuff over there in Fifi's shop. You had your chance. Yeah. Same thing happened last year. Last year, I was going to give Gloria a sweater. A sweater? Mm -hmm. Last minute, I got cold feet. What happened? I gave her yarn and knitting needles. <laughs> I bet she's been needling you all year, too, huh? Now, this year, it's going to be different. What are you going to do? Well, when Gloria opens her present for Christmas this year, she's going to get the shock of her life. Now, wait a minute. No, take it sir, easy, no, you, sir. You've blown I'm, your time. I'm through with this old-fashioned stuff. I'm going to take the bull by the horn. a boy, Jim. Now you're working in there, Jim. I'm going to take this petticoat right over to Fifi's Fluorescent Flimsy Shop, and you're going to exchange it for something bewitching. <laughs> I'm in again, huh? Well, off we go. Here, Jim, let me take some of those packages, huh? Uh, here, you take the petticoat and the canasta shuffler, and I can carry the alarm clock and the mahjong set and the assorted nuts. Huh? Okay, well, here's, uh, here's Fifi's place. After you, Jimmy. Eh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, Bing, I, I have an idea, Bing. You go and exchange the petticoat. I've got to drop into the drugstore. Oh, no, no, you don't. You don't no, no, look, look, there's a sign there, special. Nutcrackers, 59 cents. <laughs> Now you get one later. Here we go. Here we go again at Fifi's. Now, no stalling this time. You hear me, Jim? Yeah. Gosh, the minute I get inside here and see all those things hanging around, I, everything goes black. <laughs> A lot of black things hanging around. <laughs> Golly, what will they think of next? I don't know, but I hope I'm not with you when they do. Ah, bonjour, gentlemen. Entrez, s'il vous plaît. I'll bet this is Fifi. <laughs> it sure ain't Barry Fitzgerald, huh? <laughs> now, no hemming and horn, Jim. Just tell the lady your problem. Uh, may I help you, gentlemen? Uh, I, yes. Uh, yes. I, I, I wonder if you could tell us how to get to Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> Crackles next oh, door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we know all about them. You know, 
My, my friend and I were in here a couple weeks ago, and we bought a fancy petticoat. Oh, and you are back so soon. Oh, you are the playboy from Texas, oh, yeah? God, oh, God, oh, oh. Oh, heck no. No, you see, I, I bought a petticoat from a wife, and, and oh, I... Oh, you are married. Oh, that is too bad. Why, uh, why is that? I am not. <laughs> oh, but... Well, don't look at me. I'm cooked, too. <laughs> c'est la vie. Vraiment, vraiment. <laughs> you see, uh, my friend bought this petticoat here for his wife, and she has one just like it, so he wants to exchange it. Oh, then perhaps you would like a petticoat like this very chic one I am wearing. Huh? Look at this. Voila! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Would anyone care for an English walnut? There's a hole in that bag, Jim. Hold it up. No, miss, I, I don't want you to get the wrong idea about this thing. I, I'm married, and, well, I, I, I thought I might get something more dazzling than a petticoat. So. Oh, I see. Something anteam. Well, step over here. I have so many attractive things. Ooh, la, la. Look at these. Say. <laughs> They are beautiful And they come in pale blue, pink, and green These aren't bad, Jim Just grab one You can't go wrong with these And the lace is imported Got good rubber in them, too We 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 better go to something else. But but Monsieur. Yeah, I, I I think I just better get a nice pair of stockings. Stockings? What kind? For the legs. <laughs> oh, you make the joke too. We oui, we. Oui. Jim, listen, you gotta go stronger than stockings. Come on, live. Oh, I know what you can get for Madame. It is called the wraparound. Well, you see, it, it's an oversized towel that's shaped and fitted. I'll slip it on. See, it buttons on in a wink. Now, uh, uh, what, uh, that uh, garment there, now, what, uh, what do you use that thing for? Well, if the phone rings when Madame is in the bathtub, she can slip on one of these. I usually slip on these so. <laughs> Well, here's something else that madame might like. It's the very latest French bathing suit. Two pieces. Oh, itsy-bitsy pieces, too. <laughs> and look, it folds up and fits into this little gold locket. Oh, I never. Look at you, that. You see, when madame wears this bathing suit, she can also wear the little locket around her neck. She better wear the locket if she get arrested. <laughs> oh, you make another joke. Joke nothing. I can hear the patrol wagon now. Would you gentlemen like me to model this bathing suit? 
I can slip it on if you like. Come on, shove it back in the locket. Here comes the cops. I must have hit the button on my alarm clock. <laughs> Come on, Jim. Now make up your mind. I'm in a rush. I got to get back to work. Work? Oh, that is the trouble with you American men. All you think about is business. A Frenchman, he says, poof on business, poof on work. A Frenchman says, poof on everything but love. That is why all Frenchmen are so, so, oh, what is the word? Poofed? <laughs> All right, Jim, now what'll it be? There any number of things here. You made up your mind? Well, I've been thinking the whole thing over, and I think maybe the thing I ought to get is a nice pair of bloomers. Blue mail? What is blue mails? You wouldn't know. But blue mails, I, I do not understand. Well, you see. <laughs> you see, miss, uh, 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 there's something like these things here, only they're about three feet longer. Oh, you mean the slacks. Uh, this, uh, no. Bloomers. <laughs> no, they, they're sort of slip covers for girls. <laughs> I, I don't think you'd know about bloomers, Fifi. They go back quite a ways. <laughs> Look at that girl coming out of the back room. Holy Toledo. Oh, that is Mimi, my model. And look, she's wearing the new French bathing suit and the little locket. Hold on, Jim. No, no, wait for me. What about the, what about the gift for Gloria? She's going to get the Mahjong set. <laughs> We sound off the Chesterfield. You better give me a hand on this, Jimmy, because we got a real great part for you. Now, I'll tell you when. I'll just bring my hand on just when you sure, come you, in for you your big... You all set? Okay, here we go. Oh, Chesterfields are riding high. I want to tell you the reason why. They're milder with a better taste. And no one plays that aftertaste. Mildness plus. No aftertaste. Mildness plus. No aftertaste. No one plays that aftertaste in Chesterfield. That's right. Wherever you live, whatever you do, there's a Chesterfield dealer near to you. So get in the ball, get in the swing. Just take a tip from Brother Bing and sound off. For Chesterfield. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields. Do it. Today. <laughs> Here's your... Oh, James, you handled that, that magnificently. Seriously, folks, sound off for Chesterfield and get Chesterfield mildness plus no unpleasant aftertaste. Okay. Bing and Jimmy Stewart there, and I guess we have one more of these next next time. Ah, okay, one more of these next week, then it'll conclude 
the Bing Crosby, Jimmy, Shoo- Jimmy Stewart Christmas shopping episodes. Um, all right, time for mail call. I explained to you what mail call was. It was uh, I left off one thing. Um, the stars that appear on this particular program are the result of requests that were written in by various soldiers as to who they wanted to hear appear on the mail call program. And the more letters they got for a particular star, the more the producers would reach out and get that star on the program. So tonight, or today, or whenever you're listening to this, we have Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire doing an abridged version of the famous film Holiday Inn, including Bing singing White Christmas. But before we do that... Uh, before they do that, uh, there's a little comedy skit from Fibber McGee and Molly. So this is from November 4th, 1942. Um, World War II and the United States entry in it was just shy of one year at this point. So we're just getting just getting wound up heavily into World War II. So here we go with mail call. It is, man, the mail call, bringing you a letter from home. is for you, a personal letter from Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire, Betty Rhodes, Fibber McGee and Molly, and Meredith Wilson, addressed to every soldier, sailor, marine, and coast guardsman of the United Nations. It's postmarked Hollywood, and it's addressed to you. This is Bing Crosby with greetings, men, and taking great pride in knocking out a letter to all you fighting men of the United Nations, and with some crisp characters here in the collaboration department. For here to fill in a personal paragraph or two along the way are that lovely young lady of songs, Betty Rhodes, and the maker of fancy foot music par excellence, Fred Astaire, and that dearly beloved couple who purvey the wiles and witticisms of wedlock, Fibber McGee and Molly. Then, of course, there's half a thousand kibitzers in khaki out in front here, ready to embellish this letter with cheers, whistles, catcalls, applause, and sundry sound effects. Paragraph number one is a musical tribute to the guys who answer the call of boots and spurs. It's a new song composed by our regular mail call musical collaborator, Meredith Wilson. He's called it, Hit the Leather. We're gonna hit the leather and ride, take it all in our stride. Hit the leather and ride all the way, and leave the poor benighted infantry behind us. They'll have to eat cavalry dust to find us. Let every son of a galloping yank jump in a saddle or tank. Hit the leather and ride all the way. Well, some are mechanized who recognize the outfit. We're riding hell bent for leather today. Comes now a paragraph in this letter to you men, bringing you the combined handiwork of a certain domestic duo, most distinguished citizens of that metropolis of monkey shine, Wistful Vista, Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> seems, uh, seems like every year about this time, the, the halfback comes out in Fibber, has witnessed the present scene in their living room, 
where various books, sofa cushions, and overshoes marked the development of a startling, so he thinks, new football player. Now, let me see. If this sofa cushion is X, he fades back on the reverse, drawing O out of position. Then Z takes out A, leaving an opening between B... Oh, no, I forgot. B broke his leg in the second quarter. <laughs> J went in. That changes the whole situation. J can't block worth a dime. Gee, what goes on here? What's that junk scattered all over the house for? What do you mean, junk? Those are football players. The cushions are Peoria High, and the books are Joliet, and the overshoes are officials. <laughs> I'm using your mules as linesmen. I see. Okay, okay, okay. Scoff if you want to. Deride. <laughs> you know darn well you're talking to one of the greatest football players that ever chewed a cleat for good old Peoria. <laughs> I know. I've often heard that you were one of the finest players in the Middle West. You have? Where'd you hear that? From you. Oh. <laughs> the kidding is on the level, too. I was the best defensive player Peoria ever developed. You know, they used to say you were great other ways, too. Yeah? Yes, I used to hear people say you were one of the most offensive football players in the game. <laughs> really? <laughs> you ain't just saying that because you admire me. <laughs> Not at all. Anybody who spent as much time as you did cavorting around on the gridiron. Yeah, now, listen, if that's back. the head coach from Notre Dame with a con contract for you, what'll I tell him? Don't commit me to anything till I read it. I know those guys with the bottom paragraphs in fine print. <laughs> Maybe you better let them in. Yeah. With this junk all over the floor, I'm ashamed to answer the door. I'll be upstairs, dear, if they want me for anything. Come in. Well, I'm sorry, gentlemen. I couldn't possibly accept anything less than 25... Hi, mister. Oh, hi, little girl. State your business briefly. This is my busy day. Oh, what you doing, mister? Hmm? Are you moving? What do you mean? Oh, you're referring to this stuff on the floor here. No, I was working out some football tic-tacs, sis. I says I'm working out some football tic-tacs. I bet you mean tactics, I bet you. I know what I mean. I mean tic-tacs. Those are reverse tactics. <laughs> I worked out one tic-tac where they tickle the tackle. Hey, and... hey, hey, mister. Hmm? Can I have some wire, please? And can I please, mister? And can I? You thirsty? No. Huh? Hmm? Well, what do you want the water for? Not that your chubby little cheeks couldn't stand a slight slug of soap suds. I want it for my gun. Gun? What kind of a gun? You know, Squirt. <laughs> now, none of your impudence, sis. One more crack like that. No, no, no. No, no. It's a squirt gun, mister. Oh, I Look, see. you see it? Oh, yeah. See? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What good is a squirt gun? You gonna get the drop on some drip? <laughs> no. No, I use it for getting even, I bet you. Even with what? Grapefruit. Oh. <laughs> Grapefruit. Every time it squirts me, I squirt right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll make a note of that, sis, and add it to my collection of uninteresting facts. <laughs> now, run along, will you? I'm busy. Okay, mister. I bet you the shoemaker will give me some water anyway, I bet you. Oh, you going to the shoemaker? Sure. Mama asked me to stop and pick up her Nazi slippers. Nazi slippers? What are they? Wedgie. But why Nazi slippers? No souls, all heels. So I'm. <laughs> Is she gone? Nazi slippers. One of these days, I'm going to take a fly swatter and roll a Jean Krupa obligata right across her little rompers. <laughs> Did I hear you talking to somebody, McGee? Yeah, a little girl from across the street. Oh, I suppose you were bragging to her about your football prowess too. I was never no such a thing. What does she know about football? 
close as she ever comes to active sports, is trying to find a fourth for London Bridge. <laughs> and anyway, if anybody's got a right to brag, I have. About what, if I may be so bold? About my football prowess. <laughs> Remember the time they sent me in the last five minutes against the Blue Island Reform School 11? <laughs> well, I don't exactly... Boy, did I give them action. Zip, zip, zip. Up the field. Down the field. Across the field. Tackling like a tornado. Blocking like a tank. Running like a six-legged tower. Boop, 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 boop. No wonder you were so cold and thirsty. Tearing across the line like... What do you mean, cold and thirsty? Well, I just found a picture of you with the Peoria team. Oh, you did? Yes. And you were the only one with a big bucket of water and ten blankets. <laughs> Good night. Good night, all. Back in 1918, where we were once before busy defending the rights of free men, a little soldier wrote a big song. You may have heard it once or twice. Oh, how I hate to get up in the morning. Well, since that time, this quiet, mild-mannered man has written Blue Skies, Always, How Deep is the Ocean, and a hundred more hit songs. He writes solo, and he writes from the heart. Does Irving Berlin. Latest evidence of the Berlin brand of song magic lies in the score for a paramount opus called Holiday Inn. And along about this point in this meandering missive, with the able assistance of my good friends Betty Rhodes and Fred Astaire, we'll make with a somewhat abbreviated version of said Holiday Inn. Now, in this here picture, I'm a guy called Jim Hardy. It's a character role. I sing. I'll capture her heart singing and a lot of stuff like that. I'm a nice guy in the picture, but wait till you meet Fred Astaire. He plays Ted Hanover, a first-class heel. You know, in a nice kind of way. And here's a new angle. He dances, which means that the heel is on his toes. Capture her heart, dancing. Pretty near breaks a leg, this boy. <laughs> All through... <laughs> Leave you alone, you'd break both ankles. <laughs> All through real one, I think I'm in love with a dish named Dorothy. That's Ted's dancing partner. And the three of us do an act together in the New York nightclub. And just when I'm coming on like gangbusters heading for the altar, Hanover wolfs the gal away from me. And brother, I'm plenty burned. So don't, don't anybody go away now, because I'll... Step up there on the screen with Fred and burn. So, so you're burned up because I stole your girl. Oh, now, Jim, let me explain. Now, look. Look here, Twinkle Toes. This ain't the first time you grabbed my girl. Oh, but Dorothy and I belong together. Well, she loves me. We're going to dedicate our lives to making people happy with our feet. I see. Well, that kick in the pants you gave me sure is a swell start. Sorry, Jimmy boy. Awfully sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You and Dorothy can go dance your toenails to the bone. I'm about to rejoin the human race. You're going to quit the act? Why not? I'm through with women or vice versa. And what's more, I'm certainly through with you. Oh, now, don't be like that, Jim. How are you going to live? Well, I tell you, I got my eye on a farmhouse up in Connecticut. And I'm going to make it into a nightclub. Are you kidding? No, I'm not. Here's the switch, though. 
It's just going to be open 15 days a year. Holidays only. The rest of the year, I loathe. Is that delicious? <laughs> you would think of a thing like that, but it'll never work. You're crazy. Okay, I'm crazy. But I bet you two bits you beat me to the asylum. Not my shingle. Can you read it from there? Sure. Holiday Inn. Can you tell me where I can find the manager, Jim Hardy? Well, let me see. Last time I see him, he was uh, he was out in the snow up on a stepladder, nailing up his sign. <laughs> Are you Jim Hardy? I'm the old man himself. Where till I get down off this thing? How are you? Hello. I'm Linda Mason. I came up here to ask you, well, if maybe you could use me here at Holiday Inn. What do you do? Oh, I sing a little and dance. Yeah? Well, let's, let's give a listen. Come on in. Oh, what a darling place. You like it? <laughs> Love it. Here, have a seat on the piano bench here. Now, what do you sing? Uh, bounce or tempo di ballad or what? <laughs> oh, a little of each. Well, let's see what you can do to this. Oh, but I don't know it. Oh, neither does anybody else. I just wrote it. I wrote it specially for Christmas at Holiday Inn. This is a chance to keep a promise that I made to myself. I said I was going to sing this song at the, at the end tonight. Maybe we can sing it for customers next Christmas. Could be. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with every Christmas card I write. May your days be merry. And bright. and may all your Christmases be white. Okay, now you take over. Let's hear it. But I don't know the words. I'll prompt you. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Like the ones I used to know. Just like the ones I used to know. Where the treetops glisten. Where the treetops glisten. And children listen. And children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow.
lady, lady, you're you're packing a pair of pipes there, aren't you? <laughs> Did you really like it? Like it. You're in. Holiday Inn's going to open New Year's Eve, and when we introduce the star of the show, you are it. <laughs> Well, New Year's Eve, the old farmhouse is packed for the rafters, and Linda really steals the show. But along about five minutes to 1942, in comes trouble. Old Ted Hanover pulls into the inn. Before I can stop him, friend Fleet Feet is dancing with Linda. He's given her that uh, come-hither look, and I must say she's hithering. What can I do but just stand there with my jaw at half-mast? I could dance nightly just holding you tightly, my sweet. I could keep right on because you're so light on my feet. You're easy to dance with. There is no doubt in the way we stand out in the crowd. Though it's called dancing to us, it's romancing out loud. You're easy to dance with. Loving you the way I do makes you easy to dance with. That is why I'm always right on the beat. All those charms in one man's arms makes you easy to dance with. I can hardly keep my mind on my feet. Let's dance forever, come on, say we'll never be through. It's so easy to dance with you. Hey, Jim. Huh? Jim, Jim, that, that girl's got to be my new dancing partner. Oh, now, wait, wait, wait a minute. What happened to Dorothy? Dorothy? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, she ran off with some dollar and a half a year man. But, uh, but, but who cares? This girl is twice as good. She's terrific. Why, she's, she's my new partner. Now, look, Butch, whip off the blitz there, will you? Uh, Lyndon's staying right here at Holiday Inn. Aha. Uh-huh. And so am I. I couldn't miss that. Lyndon and I are going to dedicate our lives to making people happy with our Uh Uh-oh. Here we go again. Of course, having uh, Ted Hanover move into Holiday Inn makes everything just dandy. There I am again. There I am in the lonesome corner of the Eternal Triangle. This is one time I'm not giving up without a fight. This boy Hanover may be turning on the heat with his feet, but I'm figuring to tie up plenty of temperature with my tonsils. Comes Lincoln's birthday, I whip out a special number for Linda and me that I figure ought to leave Hanover just standing around there with his arches sagging. (laughs) On a February morn, a tiny baby boy was born, Abraham. Abraham, oh Abraham, when someone 
answer, go see if you can Get all my generals tired That's why we celebrate Blessed February day With only one day uh, on between Lincoln's birthday and Valentine's Day, I figure that that's really the time to pull out the stops and pour on the romance. Be careful, it's my heart. It's not my watch you're holding, it's my heart. It's not the note I sent you that you quickly burn It's not the book I lent you that you never return Remember It's my heart The heart with which so willingly I part It's yours to take, to keep or break, but please, before you start, be careful, it's my heart. Well, I'm sort of uh, hoping that that number ought to set me somewhere near third base with the hit and run play on. But with old Bad News Hanover still on the job, I'm just a blowed-up tomato. By the time Easter rolls around, I'm caught with my offensive down. So I figure it's time to dust off an oldie and really give it the full pitch. In your Easter bonnet With all the frills upon it You'll be the grandest lady in the Easter parade I'll be all in clover And when they look you over I'll be the proudest fellow In the Easter parade Happy Easter, Linda. Same to you, Jim. You know, there's something that uh, I've been wanting to ask you, Linda. Yes? Been sort of waiting, though, until the, the ledger had a transfusion of black ink. And <laughs> now I kind of thought that perhaps it was a good time to bust the question. Hey, hey, kids. Uh, get away from me. Now, here, here. Go away. You bother me. Listen, boy. I've got good news. We're going to Hollywood. Hollywood? Yeah. They want all of us and the music and the whole idea of Holiday Inn. I've got the contract right here. All we've got to do is sign it. See, anybody got some ink? Not me. I had the same offer three weeks ago, and I turned it down fast. Without even asking us? Well, the inn is making a little money. We're having some fun. Didn't think you'd be interested. Oh, so you decided we shouldn't have the chance. Not even the chance to refuse. Oh, now, Jim, what makes you think we, we'd want to stay up here in the backwoods when we've got a chance to really get someplace to, to the top? Oh, I don't know. I guess it was just too good to last. Had a simple little layout here where we could do our best doing the work we know without having any illusions of glory. 
Okay, take the idea, take the music, take Linda, take the whole darn thing. Aren't you coming to Hollywood with us? You couldn't drag me out to that town with a string of racehorses. <laughs> no, sir, I'm staying right here at Holiday Inn, boy. You go ahead, you two, have fun. I'll be seeing you at the Bijou. Well, so Linda goes on out to Hollywood and Holiday Inn begins to fold up like a wet awning. Months go by and I haven't heard from Ted and Linda and all I know is what I read in Variety. Of course, I can't tell whether Linda is happy or not, but there's one thing certain. I am not a very happy Joe. <laughs> Come December, I decide there's only one thing to do, hop a train for the coast. Well, I get into Los Angeles on Christmas Eve... I go right to the movie studio where they're shooting Ted and Linda's picture, and I... Well, Jim Hardy. Say, what the deuce are you doing out here, Merry Jim? Christmas, Ted. Merry Christmas. Is uh, Linda around? Well, uh, I, I don't think she can see you now, kid. She, she's on the stage shooting. Well, maybe I could, you know, sort of sneak in and watch, huh? Oh, oh no. No, you wouldn't like it. it it's, it's dull technical stuff now. Oh, well, I'm a very technical guy. In here? Uh, that's right. Okay, get some stuff on those floods. Places, everybody. Say, look at there, and that wonderful that set looks exactly like the end, doesn't it? If I wasn't 3,000 miles away, I'd think I was home. It's a, it's a pretty good reproduction, all right. Quiet, quiet, everybody. There's a take. Yeah, well, listen, we'll have to be quiet, Jim. This is Linda's big number. Yeah. Boy, she sure looks beautiful, doesn't she, huh? Okay, roll Don't go out there. You'll, you'll get in the picture. May your day be merry. Be merry and bright. And may all your Christmas be white. Jim. Linda. What are you doing here? I'm looking for a job. What do you do? Oh, I sing a little. I'd make some girl an awfully good husband. Mister, you're hired. You know, I think I'll take it. <laughs> Just one condition. What's that? This job is for 365 days a year. No holidays. Well, that's it, men. That's Holiday Inn. I got to get back to the stable and feed the horses. Last Tuesday, Bob Hope delivered the corn. It's been a real pleasure for all of us to send this note your way, and if by some chance your name wasn't announced at the last mail call in your particular outfit, then we hope that this letter of ours will sort of stand you in good stead until your next envelope from home arrives. So long for now. Sincerely yours, Bing Crosby. Oh, uh... The kibitzers hanging over my shoulder want to add a couple of postscripts and post-postscripts, and here they are. Fibber McGee and Molly. Every time I start to warble, someone always rings my doorbell. 
with a firm demand that I shut up or move. So I'll get right in my stride now, and I'll let you boys decide now if McGee is solid when he's in the groove. My wild Irish Rose. Hey, McGee, you're not in the groove, you're in a rut. <laughs> oh. Here's a tear from Wistful Vista And from every miss and mister And from every city, county, state and town They are all red, white and blue guys And there's nothing they won't do guys Till we haul those ugly axis colors down I will say one thing for certain just before we pull the curtain, it's the sentiment of everyone, I think. We're a solid sending nation, and we won't take our vacation till those Axis bums are safely in the clink. Carpenter saying so long for Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire, Betty Rhodes, Vera McGee and Molly, and Meredith Wilson. Another letter from home will be coming your way next time you hear the mail call. <laughs> mail call is produced in cooperation with the leading motion picture studios and the Hollywood Victory Committee, especially for the men of the armed forces of the United Nations by the Special Service Division of the War Department of the United States of America. <laughs> Okay, um, Fibber McGee and Molly, along with Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire, that's a unique uh, group of four, um, even Fibber and Molly singing there about uh, getting rid of the Nazis. <laughs> okay, it was World War II. Interesting stuff. All right, um, Good Old Days of Radio Show will be back on Thursday. We will not do a Christmas program on Thursday. We will have our last um Radio Noir, an episode of The Whistler. So if you like uh, The Whistler, I don't think we've ever had The Whistler on the Good Old Days Radio Show, so it's the first time. Whistler was an interesting program. They vary all over the place, but the good ones are really good, and I assume this will be a good one. It's called The Trigger Man. So we will hear that next week. Uh, not next week. We'll hear that on Thursday. And then next Tuesday, we have an episode of George Burns and Gracie Allen doing a Christmas fairy tale. And of course, for Christmas Day, we have a real special two-hour 
two-hour good old days of radio show. So it can occupy two hours of your Christmas day and take you away from whatever you're supposed to be doing. But you can listen to it whenever you want, and that's just fine with us. Okay, good old days of radio show, out. Thank you.